65% of blindness occurs in older women, a staggering and preventable statistic. Your eyes are not only the windows to your soul, but also to your health. My guest today will shed some light on the vital importance of your overall health to preventing vision loss and preserving this vital capacity as you age. Most importantly, she's going to tell you what to do to preserve and heal your vision naturally. She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to her Brilliant Health Radio, where holistic women's health expert and board-certified OBGYN, Dr. Kieran Dunstan, shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. Lean in and get ready to experience the bountiful, blissful, and beautiful vitality that you deserve. It's Dr. Kieran. Welcome back to another episode of Her Brilliant Health Revolution podcast. I'm so grateful to be here with you today and excited to dive into today's topic. You will remember Dr. Rudy Bonick from the summit. She was one of our everybody's favorite interviews talking about vision health in menopause. And I invited her to come on the podcast to talk with us about preventing vision loss at midlife and beyond. I recently became aware that vision loss and blindness in women is disproportionate to that in men. And it's not attributable, not attributable, I can't even talk. You can't count on just aging to cause this effect. So there's something going on with women and what changes in midlife and menopause is our hormones. So Dr. Rudy is going to talk with us about the changes that are occurring and what we can do to prevent them or maybe even reverse them. And we will get right into it. So I'm going to remind you a little bit about Dr. Rudy and who she is. She's called America's Integrative Eye Doctor. Dr. Rudrani Bonick is an integrative ophthalmologist who uses validated nutritional and lifestyle approaches to improve vision and brain health. She not only treats conditions that affect vision, but the more complex conditions that affect the eye and the brain, including migraines, dry eye, thyroid eye disease, stroke, and the mind-gut connection. Dr. Ronnie knows that blindness is preventable through using natural strategies to correct the diseases that cause it. Welcome back, Dr. Ronnie. Thank you so much, Dr. Kieran, for having me on your podcast. I am so excited to share some great information about our eyes with you and your listeners. Yes. In preparation for our interview today, I started doing some research on the internet and was not aware that 65% of blindness occurs in women and predominantly women at midlife and beyond. And I was appalled by that fact. So can you shed some light on what's going on there? Yeah, absolutely. And those numbers, they are astounding, but they are absolutely true. So the most, the three most common causes of vision loss as people get older, both men and women, are cataracts, glaucoma, and macular degeneration. And all three of these are, in fact, more common in women, particularly women who are postmenopausal. So I would say 50s, 60s, and beyond, the rates um, definitely are higher in women than men. 
Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about these in a little detail. I know we mentioned them during this this summit, but we hear these words so often. And as we were talking before we started recording, these are different parts of the eye. So what's going on with glaucoma? Yeah, so glaucoma, a lot of people have probably heard the term glaucoma, but they may not exactly know what it is. So glaucoma is a condition that affects the optic nerve in the back of the eye. And the optic nerve is the connection between the eye and the brain. It carries all those signals from the the eye to the brain to be processed. And so what happens in glaucoma is that the nerve gets damaged and people start to lose peripheral vision. And oftentimes glaucoma is associated with high eye pressure. So when you go to the eye doctor, whether you see your optometrist or ophthalmologist, we always check eye pressure. It's one of our vital signs for the eye. And in most cases, glaucoma is associated with elevated eye pressure, not always, but in most situations. And again, this is something that happens. Glaucoma, the damage happens over time. It's not something immediate. In most cases, it's chronic and progressive over years to decades. And people lose peripheral vision. They may not even realize that they've lost peripheral vision unless they actually go to their eye doctor and get a test called a visual field test. And that test can pick up subtle loss of peripheral vision. And of course, we want to treat it. We want to prevent it before it gets worse and causes more significant vision loss. And there are couple of options for treatment, but the mainstay of treatment in glaucoma is to try to lower the eye pressure using drops. And it's quite common, I would say, in certain populations, but more common in women, particularly women of color. So that's an interesting demographic kind of a feature of glaucoma as well, that it tends to affect certain populations more than others. What is happening there that older women and particularly women of color are at risk for increased pressure in the eye? What is the mechanism by which that's happening? What's thought to be happening? Yeah, so our eye produces fluid and then there's a different part of the eye that drains the fluid. So it's thought that in glaucoma, the drainage is what's impaired and there's decreased drainage that leading to too much fluid buildup in the eye. And in most cases, people don't know that they have it because even though the pressure may be elevated, it may be asymptomatic. In some cases, though, the pressure can spike. And when the pressure spikes, then people may actually have pain. But that's a, a less common type of glaucoma called uh, closed angle glaucoma, where people may actually know that they have that there's a problem and then they seek medical attention. But in most cases, glaucoma is completely asymptomatic until it gets to the end stages. And I think, you know, we were talking about why there's a difference between men and women with some some of these eye conditions. It is possible that hormonal changes may affect the drainage from the the eye and may lead to increased uh, increased eye pressure. Though, again, the studies, there are many more studies that need to be done with this in terms of looking at hormones and hormonal receptors in the eye to try to find the link. So we don't quite understand the link, even though clinically we know that there definitely is this association. We'll be right back after this short message from our sponsor. Hey there, it's your conscience calling. It's a new year. Just wondering where you are with your resolution. You remember the one to lose some weight and get in shape? You know, life would be a whole lot better if you upped your metabolism, lost a few pounds, had some energy, and could get in your skinny jeans again, right? But I know you don't want to count calories, and I don't want you to either. And working out at the gym is not your idea of fun, or mine. I know you hate the thought that you might fail at weight loss, again. And I do too. 
And that's why, this time, I've set you up for the ultimate success by working with a doctor who lost 100 pounds at midlife herself by addressing all the hidden causes of weight gain no one's told you about. It's about so much more than diet and exercise. You'll see, Dr. Kieran will tell you all the secrets you need to know to lose 10 pounds and double your energy in the 28-day Jumpstart program. It addresses all the reasons that 90% of weight loss programs fail women at midlife. Yup, it was created by Dr. Kieran after she lost 100 pounds at midlife. She designed it to address the same issues that you're having. Only you don't know you're having them because no one told you. So yes, I heard what you want. And for sure, you totally deserve it. To live in a body that is healthy and vital and supports you in doing everything that you want to do. And to look good doing it while having more fun than you can imagine? I got you. And I know you don't want to pay a lot of money to try yet another program. So you'll love the special introductory offer of just $47 to join. Just $47? Girl, you know you spend that on things you can't even remember every single month. What have you got to lose? Nothing. Losing 10 pounds could just be the jumpstart you need to your next level of living. It's all ready for you. Just go to jumpstartyourmidlifemojo.com to get the details on this amazing program and sign up now. Then you can check off, lose weight, and feel great from your to-do list and get back to the things that matter most to you. I heard you, and I've answered. Dr. Kieran's got your resolution covered with the Jumpstart program. I'll see you there. And we're back. As I was preparing for our interview and I'm doing research on the internet and I came across this statistic about 65% of women, a blindness occurs in women, I immediately became alerted and then I came across a study, or actually it wasn't a study, it was an article that said that older, it was called Older Women Are Needlessly Going Blind. Why Isn't It a National Scandal? And it was in The Guardian, uh, which I think is a British publication. And they were talking about giant cell arteritis, which does predominantly affect women. And then they talked about these other issues. And so anytime I hear that something predominantly affects women, number one, and predominantly affects women at midlife and beyond, number two, that tells me hormones are at play. And I know that the science may not have caught up with what's actually happening in real time. And I just think that it's, it's a travesty because then women might not be aware that there is a hormonal component. And I think we talked briefly about that before we started recording when it comes to dry eye. So we're going to get to that. But what is known about any hormonal role in glaucoma, macular degeneration, and cataracts? All three of those affect different parts of the eye that we were talking about earlier. So uh, glaucoma affects the nerve, cataract affects the lens, which is more in the front part of the eye, and macular degeneration affects the retina. Even though we see these trends where women are definitely more predisposed to vision loss from these conditions, we again still can't pinpoint, you know, the medical community has not been able to pinpoint or the ophthalmic community has not been able to pinpoint what is that connection. And I completely agree with you that when a condition affects women disproportionately in a particular age group, particularly postmenopausal, uh, that demographic, there has to be a hormonal 
underlying component. There has to be that hormonal root cause or, or something linked to hormones. One thing I will tell you is that some of these conditions, for example, macular degeneration and dry eye, there is, uh, in both of these conditions, inflammation definitely plays a role. We also know that women are more predisposed to inflammatory conditions, particularly autoimmune inflammatory conditions. So there could be that aspect as well, you know, why there's this increased prevalence in women. Okay. If you could just briefly explain to everyone macular degeneration, what is happening there? Yeah. So this is actually one of my favorite topics because I've seen a lot of patients with macular degeneration, but also I myself am at risk for macular degeneration. So I want to do whatever it takes to prevent vision loss. But what macular degeneration, it's a condition that affects the retina in the back of the eye. So think of the retina like a bullseye. And the center part of the retina is called the macula. And the macula, over time, as the name implies, it starts to degenerate. There are these deposits that accumulate underneath the retina, underneath the macula, that ultimately coalesce and they cause central vision loss. So it's kind of the opposite of glaucoma, where glaucoma affects peripheral vision first. Macular degeneration affects central vision first. And people can have kind of a dark spot right in the center of their vision. They may not no longer be able to read or drive or use a device or watch television or see faces. So it can be quite debilitating in its advanced stages. And we know for sure that macular degeneration affects women disproportionately more than wet or more than men. And as you mentioned, it is not simply an age-related issue because there are the prevalence of macular degeneration above the age of 50, if you take the age group between 50 to 59, it's only about 2%. But if you take individuals over the age of 70, it jumps up to 30%. And so age is a component, but there are also other components, contributors to it. And so what percentage of women will be affected at midlife and beyond with glaucoma or macular degeneration? I think there are definitely differences in race, racial differences and ethnicities. In terms of glaucoma, off the top of my head, I would say that it's probably about 20% for women. And for macular degeneration, I would also say it's probably like 25 to 30%. But again, more skewed towards older women, not just right at perimenopause or at menopause. It's slightly beyond that time. Right. And then how about for cataracts, the third cause? Yeah. So cataracts, you know, what I tell people is if you live long enough, you're going to get a cataract. So cataracts are part of the natural aging process. And pretty much everyone will develop some degree of cataract by the time they're in their 60s, definitely by their mid to late 60s, they'll have some degree of cataract. So it's, it's almost like getting wrinkles. You know, eventually all of us will get wrinkles with time and eventually all of us will get cataracts. But in terms of when cataracts actually become problematic and may require treatment, that all depends on the patient's needs and their symptoms. So for example, if there's a 70-year-old woman, woman and she's still able to do everything she enjoys doing, like reading, driving, cooking, whatever she enjoys doing, and she has a cataract doesn't necessarily mean she has to do anything about that cataract. She can wait to, you know, to do anything about it until it starts to affect vision. But yes, I've seen definitely in my practice over the past 20 plus years, many more women come in with cataracts. I wouldn't necessarily say at an earlier age, but I would say are more symptomatic than men and require cataract surgery probably at an earlier age. And this is where the lens is getting opaque, correct? Yes, yes. So the okay. lens normally that sits right behind the colored part of the eye, the iris, normally it's transparent, it's clear, it's like 
basically like looking through a clear window, but as we age, the lens starts to opacify. So proteins build up inside the lens and uh, it starts to get a little bit yellow and then eventually over time, darker yellow and eventually brown. So as it opacifies, it decreases the amount of light getting into the back of the eye. And it's basically like looking through a dirty window. Uh, no matter what you do, you can get new glasses, you can get a new prescription. It still won't help if the cataract is progressing. But I do have to say there are definitely approaches to try to prevent progression of cataract. And this is really what I promote in my practice. Even though, yes, we're all eventually destined to get some degree of cataract, there are definitely things one can do to decrease the progression of the cataract. Whenever somebody says, well, it's inevitable, we're going to get wrinkles. Well, not everybody gets wrinkles and everybody gets cataracts. Well, I'm sure there's some people who don't. That tells me that there's a huge lifestyle component to it. So what are the things that you know will help prevent people from getting cataracts or delay them getting them? Yeah, so cataracts, um, as I mentioned earlier, it's cataract is due to accumulation of certain proteins in the lens, and it's due to oxidative stress and oxidative damage. And so the number one thing people can do to prevent progression of cataracts is to have a diet that's rich in antioxidants. And there are many population studies throughout the Europe, uh, throughout Europe, and also within and from the U.S. that show that people who have diets rich in antioxidants, for example, fresh fruits and vegetables, vegetables that provide vitamins A, C, and E, fruits that have all the polyphenols, these types of foods within the diet can really delay the progression of cataracts and help preserve vision. So eat lots of plants, lots of fruits and vegetables, and lots of different colors also to get you all the various the range of antioxidants that we need. So it's interesting. I wonder, have they done any studies where they've looked at vegetarian, vegan versus plant-based paleo versus keto? I wonder if anyone's done that on a long, long-term long basis, looking at cataract formation. Do you know? It's interesting you asked that. Just last week, I saw there was an article that looked at vegans and there, they were, there was a suggestion that vegans may be slightly at higher risk for cataracts, which really doesn't make sense based off of what we're saying. You know, if people are eating a vegan diet, it's probably they're eating lots of plants with lots of antioxidants. So why that may be true, I'm not exactly sure. It may have to do with other factors, for example, B12, or there are some other um, amino acids, for example, that vegans may be deficient in that may contribute to formation of cataracts. So again, I think the research is still lagging behind what we're seeing clinically. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. But I, I'm not, I'm not aware of any other types of specific diets. For example, keto or paleo. I do know that the Mediterranean diet is what's been advocated for eye health in general. So for for all conditions, you know, whether it's cataract, dry eye, macular degeneration, glaucoma, the Mediterranean diet is the one that's been most promoted by ophthalmic societies and optometric societies. It's not interesting. It is a very varied diet and they, they have high, um, not low saturated fats. What do you think it is about the Mediterranean diet that is healthy for the eye? Well, I would say number one, inclusion of all those fruits and vegetables, but also nuts and potentially olive oil. That's my guess in terms of why it may be beneficial. Again, lots of, so the eye is really dependent on lots of healthy omega-3s. And it's really interesting 
So the highest concentration of omega-3 fatty acids is actually in the retina in the eye. So the retinal cell membranes are made out of really high amounts of DHA. And so we need to have lots of omega-3s to promote retinal health. And also omega-3s have been shown in, men, in numerous studies to help prevent against dry eye, to help improve dry eye as well, but also prevention of dry eyes. So, and the Mediterranean diet is rich in omega-3. So that's that's my guess, but it's also the olive oil, which provides omega-9. So uh, again, the science is lagging behind what we do clinically and what we recommend clinically. So hopefully with time, we'll have more evidence-based guidelines. Yes. And you mentioned dry eye. I'd love to go there next because dry eye seems to be somewhat ubiquitous among midlife and postmenopausal women. And it's often a topic of conversation I find in social circles. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, doctor, my doctor, my ophthalmologist has told me for years, you have dry eyes, you have dry eyes. And I'm thinking, yeah, I don't have symptoms and never really realized that it could have long-term consequences until recently. So can we talk about that? You know, what is the incidence of that in women at midlife and beyond? And what can be the consequences? Yeah, so dry eye, if you look at the literature, I think the the estimated prevalence of dry eye amongst menopausal women is about 20%, 25% maybe. But in my practice, I would say I've seen it much, much more frequently. I would say over 80% of my patients, female patients above the age of, let's say, 50, 55, have some component of dry eye. As you mentioned, some people may be completely asymptomatic from dry eye, but in others, they may have certain symptoms, for example, a scratchy sensation or feeling like there's sand or pebbles inside the eye or blurriness, burning of the eye. These are all common symptoms of dry eye. Sometimes the eyes may actually get red or they may actually be some crusting, particularly when waking up in the morning. These are all common symptoms of dry eye. Now, as to why dry eye is more common in women, well, there are different components to, you know, different parts of why people develop dry eye, but one of the most common causes of dry eye, the root cause of dry eye in most people is meibomian gland dysfunction. Now, you may be saying, you know, what are these meibomian glands? Well, these are tiny little glands we have in our eyelids. We have about 25 to 30 glands in each eyelid, and these glands secrete healthy oils. Uh, and these oils help to lubricate our eyes and help preserve our tears. And so what happens is as people get older, particularly women, these meibomian glands start to degenerate. And there is a function issue. They don't function well, but sometimes they also structurally start to degenerate and drop out, mainly uh, cause at- develop into atrophy. And when the glands start to degenerate, that limits the amount of oils that are in the tear film. And then that in turn can lead to dry eye. And it's really interesting that In these glands, there are actually hormonal receptors. So we have in the glands, we have estrogen receptors, progesterone receptors, and testosterone receptors. So all three are found in these glands. And so again, there definitely is a hormonal component to dry eye. It's fascinating. It's really interesting to make that connection. Yeah. When I think back to my embryology, if I am having it or remembering it correctly, the eye forms, is it from the epidermal layer originally? It's actually, the eye is actually a direct extension of the brain. So, but that's the eye itself, but the, the external structures, for example, the lids are ectoderm. So there is, there's part ectoderm and then part neuroectoderm as well. Okay. Because there are the density of the sex hormone receptors in the brain is, is the highest of anywhere in the body. So it makes sense to me 
see that that would be extended into the the ocular structures as well. Mm-hmm. And I say, you know, just Googling it, uh, menopause and dry eye, there's a whole lot of, yes, it makes sense. And, you know, but it looks like some people are reticent to say that this could actually be a treatment because of the controversy around hormones in general regarding some other issues. Yes, yes. I think uh, that there definitely is that hesitancy to address dry eye and some of these other ocular conditions with hormonal treatment or perhaps even bioidentical hormone treatment. So, and I think also the vast majority of eye care providers, ophthalmologists and optometrists, I hate to say this, but we're trained to treat the problem once it happens. We're not trained to try to prevent the problem or to get to the root cause of the problem. So I think once more practitioners become aware, like we have to treat it more upstream rather than downstream, I think that once that that is more accepted, that you know we have to kind of change our mindset when it comes to eye health and, and treat things before they happen, prevent them from happening, then I think there will be a major shift in what we do clinically. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I sometimes forget that just like when I practiced gynecology, that's what we did. We were practicing downstream, treating the problem after it happened and not necessarily looking upstream. That ophthalmologists and every other specialty has been functioning in the same manner and that as we kind of wake up to the truth of what's happening we can move more upstream and and treat these things prophylactically so that they don't occur and actually help people avoid a lot of pain and difficulty with their health. Yeah, absolutely. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. That's one of my mottos. (laughs) It's so true. And I have a million reasons to use bioidentical hormones as if I didn't need, I don't need another one in my eyes, but it helps to know that mm, in my belief system, I'm probably helping my eyes by by using them. So I would love to see a, a trial that would enroll high levels of women on biologically identical hormones and look at all these various aspects, brain health, eye health, gastrointestinal health, just all the different systems. I think it would be phenomenal. And yet the question is who would fund that? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> right. It sounds wonderful, but, and I'm, I'm sign me up. I'm ready to start enrolling patients, but the funding is the key. All right. <laughs> All right. So I do know that you have a a wonderful gift for everyone to, they can download to get the six secrets to eye health, but can we talk about some of those secrets? What are they, particularly for women at midlife and beyond? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the, I would say the most kind of um, under-recognized secrets to eye health is promoting good blood flow to the eyes. So that means making sure that your blood pressure is in a good range, that it's not too high, but also that it's not too low because either can have a detrimental effect on our retinal and optic nerve health. So the retina is actually the, one of the highest, highest metabolic, it has one of the highest metabolic rates in the entire body. So it's constantly regenerating itself. It constantly needs nutrients, it needs oxygen. And so maintaining a healthy blood pressure is key. So that's one of the secrets. The second secret is going back to nutrition. I think people just don't recognize, even including eye doctors, don't recognize the importance of having a diet that is plant-rich. Now, I'm not saying you have to be plant-based, not saying you have to be vegan or vegetarian, 
or follow a particular diet like keto or paleo or Mediterranean, but just have lots of different colored plants in your diet. And in my practice and also in my personal life, I like to rotate through the different colors of, of plants that I eat. So various different shades of greens, yellows, oranges, reds, and then the darker colors are important also because of their polyphenol content. So for example, blacks and blues and purples, make sure that you're having lots of different colors in your diet. That's very, very important. And then to take an eye health supplement. Now I know that you know there is there are probably over 50 or I, I probably would say at this point over 100 different eye health supplements on the market. If you just Google it or look on Amazon, so many different brands will come up. And the thing is that each eye health supplement has a different formulation. And there is no one perfect formulation out there. I've looked, I've tried to find that perfect one that has all the nutrients that we need and there. It just doesn't yet exist. But when you're looking for an eye health supplement, don't just look for something that says AREDS, which is the, the study that looked at supplements for macular degeneration. You need to go beyond the AREDS. So look for a supplement that has some of the eye health nutrients, which are helpful for prevention of macular degeneration. Those nutrients include lutein, zeaxanthin, mesozeaxanthin, but also look for an eye health supplement that has vitamin A, C, and E, some of the other antioxidants like glutathione, alpha lipoic acid, NAC, and then some of the minerals as well. So magnesium, zinc, copper, and I could go on and on and on about this, but uh, look for an eye health supplement that is more complete and something that may actually replace your regular multivitamin. Maybe you can get a supplement that will provide you everything your eyes need, plus everything else that you need. So those are some, some of the tips that I recommend. And we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Hey there, it's me again, your conscience. Just letting you know, I did hear you. The question is, did you hear me? Go to jumpstartyourmidlifemojo.com now to sign up for Dr. Kieran's next challenge starting soon. Pause this recording and go to the website now. We'll wait for you. Dr. Kieran's got you covered in achieving your resolutions this year. I'm always looking out for you. You're welcome. We're back. As secrets to how will people know you just rattle off all kinds of nutrients, vitamins, minerals? And how will they know that the eye supplement they're looking at has everything that they need, all the ingredients at, in the right concentrations? How, how will they know? Well, that's the tricky thing. I've curated a list of the 20 plus nutrients that I think are important for eye health and many of those I just mentioned. But you really just have to look at the label and a couple of things. So if you're looking for something specific to eye health, look for an ingredient called Ludamax 2020. And I have no proprietary interest in this, but this is something that I've discovered through my research that this ingredient has lutein, zeaxanthin, mesozeaxanthin. Those are the three really important eye health nutrients. So you want to make sure that it has that Ludamax 2020. But in addition, you want to look for all of those other new ingredients that your typical multivitamin would have. So for example, again, vitamin A, C, E, perhaps D, magnesium, some of those other ones I'd mentioned. So again, there is no perfect eye health supplement out there, but look for something that has 
not just specifically, you know, AREDs or specifically dry eye or, or something that's labeled like blue light blocking or digital eye strain. Look for something a little bit broader. Okay. And is do you list those nutrients in your six secrets to eye health? Actually, I don't have that in there because that ebook was written earlier. But I do have, you know, on my on my social media, I talk about many of these nutrients all the time. And my in my upcoming, I have a book coming out soon on macular degeneration. So I definitely address all of these in that book. And so it should be coming out hopefully in the second half of 2021. And it's called More Than Meets the Eye, Seven Surprising uh, Strategies to Prevent Macular Degeneration. So it will be in there. Ah, I love that title. That's awesome. Thank you. Great. All right. When it comes to women's, I have to ask about a few more things before you go, which one is thyroid eye disease. So women, again, disproportionately affected by thyroid disease. What do we need to know about thyroid disease when it comes to our eyes? Yeah, so thyroid eye disease, you know, many people think, oh, it's it's associated with Graves' disease, but it's not only associated with Graves' disease. So Graves' disease is a type of autoimmune thyroid, an autoimmune thyroid condition in which there's activation of the thyroid gland and there's almost too much thyroid hormone coming out and causes certain symptoms. But thyroid eye disease can be associated with Graves. It can also be associated with Hashimoto's, but it can also be associated with people who have normal thyroid function, but have thyroid autoantibodies. So for example, if you got a blood test done and it shows that you have normal TSH, free T4, T3, but you have positive thyroid autoantibodies, it is still possible to get thyroid eye disease. And what happens is that the tissues in the eye socket, there we have muscles in the eye socket, we have fat, we have other you know, soft tissues in the eye socket. These all have receptors on them. And the receptors in the eye socket are very similar to receptors on the thyroid gland. And perhaps this goes back to embryology, I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but, but the receptors are very similar. So when the thyroid gets activated from, again, autoimmune antibodies circulating, the tissues in the eye socket can get activated and it causes inflammation. And uh, people may experience puffiness, swelling, protrusion of the eye, bulging of the eyes. And in more severe cases, they may experience double vision or even loss of vision because if there's congestion in the eye socket, the optic nerve can be compromised. So there's a sequence of events that can happen, many different clinical scenarios of what can happen with thyroid eye disease. But it is the most important thing is to try to lower the thyroid autoantibodies. And that can be done using dietary measures like an autoimmune diet or an autoimmune paleo diet can be very effective. Also smoking cessation, that's probably the number one thing people can do. And also avoiding not just cigarette smoke, but any kind of other fumes, chemicals, toxins in the air can also contribute to thyroid eye disease. And also a lot of people don't talk about this, but stress is a, is a major contributor to thyroid eye disease. I've seen that in so many patients who have a predisposition to it. Whenever their body is stressed, their thyroid eye disease flares up. So it is really important to address stress in that condition as well. Interesting. So fascinating. Eyes, everything's connected to everything else. I yes. think any time we try yes. to parse, <laughs> divide, parse out the body, oh yeah, the eye is one thing and the foot is another. And next thing you know, the eye is totally related to the foot. Everything's connected. Like that song when we were kids and the, yes, <laughs> my dad used it. to sing. Yes. And the, <laughs> The eye bones connected to the foot bone and the foot bones connect to the... My yes. dad used to sing yeah. that. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm 100% behind you. And, and I think, you know, as we're both, you know, practitioners who do approach the body as a whole rather than to parse out different organs or organ systems. And it's so important to connect the dots. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's our eyes. I know sometimes I take them for granted and then I have a problem. <laughs> I, just, mm-hmm. I say, oh my gosh, <laughs> my vision. There's nothing more precious. And we'll go Well, thank you for it. saying that. That's exactly what I think. But I'm, I'm biased, of course, when I say a vision is precious, but it's nice to hear other people say it as well. <laughs> it, it's so true. It's so true. And I hope that everybody listening really takes to heart this conversation that we're having and that you start thinking about preserving your vision now and being proactive and taking care of your vision upstream. So asking yourself, what do you want 80 to look like? And not only in terms of your energy and your sleep and your sex drive, but also in terms of your vision. Because if it's possible to not have cataracts, if you wanted to set that intention that you're not going to get them, what do you need to do to get there? Maybe take a supplement like Dr. Ronnie's talking about that has some of these nutrients in it. Maybe you want to move to more of a plant-based diet, but there's so much that can be done. You know, our genetics is really only five or at most 10% of our health. And really with lifestyle, I think that everything you're saying, Dr. Ronnie, really speaks that you're to the fact that your eyes also respond to your lifestyle, correct? Absolutely. There is that mind-body-eye connection. So you need to basically, you need to nourish all parts of yourself for eye health. So, you know, I, I tell my patients, like, don't just think of it as your eyes. You really have to, you know, eat healthy, live healthy, develop healthy exercise habits, sleep habits, and just, you know, spiritually, you, have, you need to take care of yourself that way as well. And, you know, everything all comes together and it's a process. You know, it's not something that happens overnight. It's something that we all need to work on and we can always improve with. So, yes. And I love to leave listeners with the top three take action tips for the episode. And I don't want to intuit what they are, but I want you to just tell everyone if you're caring about your vision and you're concerned or you want to make sure that it stays in tip top shape, what are the take action tips, top three that you would have them do? Okay, so top three, have a rainbow in your diet. So basically with each meal, make sure you're having a different color. And if you're eating three meals a day, that's 21 meals a week, that's 21 colors a week. So that will get you many of the nutrients your eyes need. That's tip number one. Tip number two, we're all on on screens pretty much all the time. And I know digital eye strain is a big concern for many people. So take frequent breaks when you're at the computer or on your phone. Every 20 minutes, just close your eyes for 20 seconds, do a brief meditation, let your eyes lubricate, relax your mind, relax your eyes, and you will definitely benefit. And tip number three, make sure you see your eye doctor once a year, because many of the conditions we talked about may be completely asymptomatic. And again, prevention is key. So if you want to ward off vision loss down the road, you want to see your eye doctor regularly, catch catch it before it becomes a problem. And the best way to do that is to have regular visits. Again, either with your ophthalmologist or your optometrist, either, either one. Okay. I love those take action tips. And as you're saying them, one last question I didn't ask you was to talk about blue blocking. Is that part of the eye strain that we need to be mindful of? Yes. Yes. And that's a whole 
So we'll probably have a whole other podcast episode <laughs> yes. in itself because, you know, so there's so many questions that come up with blue light. But one thing I'll say is that, you know, a lot of people ask me, Dr. Ronnie, should I be getting blue blocking glasses? What type of blue blocker should I get? So our eyes have natural blue blockers within them. So those nutrients I was mentioning, like the lutein, the zeaxanthin, the mesozeaxanthin, those nutrients were put in our retinas by nature to help protect against blue light and UV light. So if you have a diet that's rich in those nutrients, then you may not necessarily need to get those blue blockers. So keep that in mind that there are natural ways to, to boost your, your eyes' natural protective abilities and safeguard your, your vision. Again, it all goes back to diet. So important. Okay, great. And the name of the podcast is Her Brilliant Health Revolution. And I'm wondering if you could share what that means to you. Well, what it means to me is, again, supporting every part of my being, mind, body, my spiritual health. And that's, you know, basically how I live my life is I try to nourish everything and take the time for myself, uh, eat right, sleep well, exercise, hydrate, you know, it all comes together in terms of brilliant health. So that's kind of my snapshot of my daily routine. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that, Dr. Ronnie. And thank you so much for joining us today and sharing this wisdom about our precious vision. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. And thank you to each one of you for joining us for another episode of Her Brilliant Health Revolution. It is a revolution and you are a part of it. And how you can take part is by taking one of the take three action tips that Dr. Ronnie shared with us today. Just pick one thing. It doesn't have to be complicated. Pick one thing and just start doing it. And if you pick one thing per episode before long, you will have all these little kind of like a string of pearls throughout your life that's supporting you in um, having the brilliant health that you deserve. Thanks so much for joining me and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media and send it to someone who would benefit from it. If you love the show and really want to support it, please go to iTunes, write a review and subscribe. This helps other women find us so that they too can heal and enjoy brilliant health. I've got a gift for you. If you take a screenshot of your review, Post it on your social media and tag me. I'll send you a special surprise right to your inbox. Thank you so much for joining me. And remember, healing and getting optimally healthy isn't magic, it's science.